Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Well, there was some fair there, all black and brown and covered in hair. everyone i'm guile i tweet at door podcast and tonight i'm joined by chicky hey i am chicky i am at the chicken on twitter and clotho hi i'm clotho and you can find me at clotho spindle on twitter and tonight we're going to be continuing our re-re-read of is that three i'm just mean two re-re-re-re-read of Jamie's uh, Storm of Swords chapters with Jamie's second chapter in A Storm of Swords. Um, As such, there is trigger warnings for rape um, and spoiler warnings of um, who knows, but if you haven't read this, if you haven't read this chapter yet, we're going to spoil it. We're going to spoil the hell out of it for you. So Um, we begin with, Jamie, Cleos, Frey, and Brienne arriving at the Inn of the Kneeling Man. They're thinking and really hoping that it's just deserted, but they hear horses in the stables, and they're greeted at the door with a loaded by a boy with a loaded crossbow. He asks, "Lion, fish, or wolf?" <coughs> Sorry, you guys. I'm gonna oh, no, be coughing. Yeah, I'm. I'm like a Trump's Aww. chief of staff. <laughs> You're fired. Get out. Um, anyway, the boy asks them, "Lion, fish, or wolf?" And Jamie replies that they were hoping for Capon or Capon. I don't even know how you say that. Capon. I think I turned it into like something French. Capon. Capon. Um, <laughs> Gray Capon. Anyway. Oh my god. <laughs> so. Brienne reassures him that they mean no harm and explains that Jamie is their prisoner. And the boy asks Jamie what he did, and Jamie tells him that he, quote, killed a crossbowman. Oh, God, Jamie. So, Jamie, like, you're two pair, you know, you're like three paragraphs into this chapter, and Jamie's already that. had, like, two great little quips. So, it's like, welcome back, Jamie. We love you. Um, so, we meet the innkeep, and I have that in quotes who pretty easily tells them that he's not really an innkeeper. Um, he and his wife buried the old innkeeper and his wife, and they figure this makes them the new owners. So this is the the new law of the Riverlands. Um, and the boy isn't their son, but he's a war orphan. And their own sons were killed in the war and by the flux. And, and again, it really, you know, this is continuing to bring to life the utter destruction of the Riverlands to me, you know, when you just have this utter destruction of of the society that was there before um it's interesting too when we realize this is the couple that eventually take hot pie in as mm-hmm. the, the baker and you know we see what they're trying to do to jamie and brienne here but it does you know just knowing they bring in hot pie they've brought in this orphan boy like they kind of seem to have you know they're, they're again like the good-hearted outlaws it sort of feels like it, it kind of reminds you of like you know most apocalyptic fantasy type things you know where it's like there's a certain kind of person who survives things and like they're not always the worst person they're not always the best person they're just kind of you know they can kind of walk that line <laughs> yeah they're not destroyed by 
they're you know they've been hardened somehow to be able to work to make it through this you know they don't like yeah. it's not like they're celebrating the fact that hey you know they oh. were dead so we got it like it's kind of like well someone you know yeah there's a you know someone's got to do it type of thing someone's gonna live and it's gonna be them yeah it's kind of you know like i think i talked about i think i feel like i vaguely talked about my love of plagues of stuff in in our drunk cast and you know part of that is just like how it made so many people um upwardly mobile because they're you know frankly their labor was was worth more and you know granted it was sheer luck in most cases i feel like that they didn't like actually get sick but you know they're able to survive what had to be just like you know a mentally and emotionally like horrific circumstance and it you know it feels like the riverlands that must be you know that must be what it's like like they've lost sons this boy's lost his parents yeah and it sounds so i mean they said you my first gut reaction is oh that's so hard they sound so horrible but can you it's just put yourself in that position of how almost like dead inside you'd be you know just have yeah they're so matter of fact about it you know and you know it's like this this found family too which you know it's it's nice in a way but just the circumstances that made it you know happen are pretty are pretty awful and i think we saw that in the last chapter too when you know jamie mentions how you know they saw a girl watering her horse and you know she basically runs away from their boat you know it's just yeah, people it's like are everybody thinks everybody's out to kill them like how horrible which, is that yeah like maybe like, they are yeah yeah which about half yeah, of them are true. yeah yeah horrible so they you know Brienne has some has like Callan obviously gave her like quite a bit of cash because Brienne's pretty free with it, and um, the man, you know, they buy dinner from the man and he makes some hor- like three huge horse steaks with fried onions and you know Yum. Jamie notes wow. right Jamie's totally like fried onions mm, they make everything better which yes they, they sometimes do. you just know it's George talking and the onions fried yeah. in bacon grease is yeah. that yeah <laughs> like sounds delicious I agree George. Um, <laughs> sounds terrible to me but i know it's good. really onions, i hate onions. onions i don't i don't oh, want your onions. oh it sounds good to me but the horse part the yeah i don't want the horse cakes, part i want the stale oat cakes okay, onions on the stale oat cake i feel like that would be okay <laughs> i don't know or maybe like bread the onions and onion rings soak it in um, bacon fat like, yeah <laughs> you're just going like on westerosi like top chef here yeah pretty yeah pretty much um here's the challenge <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, and, you know, he has ale and then cider for Brienne, and they share war news, and the innkeeper warns, warns them off of the trident and advises them to steer clear of the main roads. And the innkeeper, you know, just happens to mention, oh, and I, you know, there's three horses in the stable, but they're not for sale. And Jamie just laughs. Of course they're not, you know. He sees through, you know, he sees through everything here immediately, and, you know, I, I think he doesn't, part of the fun of this chapter is seeing him see through it but then also like the question of was Brienne seeing this too you know what's happening there Um, yeah yeah well and like all the information that they're getting like they're first they hear about like Stannis besieging King's Landing and then they're hearing about you know um, what's going on with Beric Dondarrion and Thoros and Jamie's having thoughts about you know wonder if Thoros is still a big drunk I mean like there's a lot of stuff that will like be really relevant to both of them later yeah, wasn't there the thing about um, how Thoros wore the red, red because he it had the wine stains and Robert like yeah. laughed harder than Jamie had ever seen him laugh and like spilled wine <laughs> on Cersei's nice dress because of 
because he was laughing at Thoros so much. Like, you know, Thoros and Robert, you know, soulmates kind of. <laughs> Thoros found, found religion. Um, so the innkeep takes him to the stables, and Jamie notices that there's really an overabundance of horse shit for just three horses. And, you know, we, we find out the horses are this spirited palfrey, an okay plow horse, and a half-blind gelding. And Brienne negotiates a price, but Jamie thinks the innkeep should pay them to take the gelding. And, you know, Brienne gets her first kind of funny line in these chapters. And, you know, when he insults the gelding, Brienne just tells him, don't speak discourteously of your horse, sir. I love that. (laughs) She does get snarky with him. She really does. And it really comes out, like, when she's thinking of him later and then with him. Like, he definitely brings out, like, the, you know, we talk about how you know, Brienne brings out the best in Jamie, but she, like, he actually brings out the best in her, too. Like, she's a little feistier with, you know, with him and th- with his influence, I think. Agreed. So the innkeep says, you know, oh, I don't want to be left here without a horse in case there's trouble. So Brienne throws in their skiff as well. Um, the innkeep assumes they're staying the night, but Brienne insists that they're going to ride through the night. And he... The innkeep is really not happy about this, and he's harping on him to stay, and Cleos is kind of being a whiner about the whole thing, but Brienne won't relent. So they head to the smith so Brienne can strike the chains off of Jamie's feet so he can ride, and you know he makes this pointed comment to her about all of the horse shit, and... You know, it, it's cool that he's already trying to have this level of communication with her. Like, he thinks she's going to get it. You know, he doesn't even bother with Cleos. It's really this. Yeah, yeah. Like, like you know, the almost exaggerated wink. Like, there's a lot of horse shit, wink. You know, you understand what I'm saying here? And, you know, we find out that she does. Um, well, yeah, and it's like, it's like Cleos is still trying to, you know, figure it out how they can still say at the end. But, like, right. like Jamie Cleos- and Brianna are both like, no, we're leaving. I feel like Cleos is all of us in the scene. He's just like, I just want to, like, I just want a nice bed. I just want to go to yes. sleep, you know? <laughs> like, poor Cleos. Like, I know, dude. Same. Um, so the innkeep gives them directions and advice, and it, it's it's kind of confusing. I mean, it's like, don't, you know, you'll see this stone tower. Don't go here. Like, uh, I mean, I realize, like, it's more, if I was like Brienne gets it me this is like when anyone gives me directions anywhere I literally stop listening after like the first turn at that point I have stopped completely and I'm not hearing you at all so it really doesn't matter and you know that's that's how I even read this like yeah no whatever I'll find you know I'm sure it'll be okay I'll find it whatever I can smell it from here you know um so Brienne, when they come to a fork in the road, Brienne specifically makes the opposite choice of what the innkeep suggested. And, you know, Cleos is like, no, that's, you know, that's not right. And, you know, Brienne tells them, you know, he was no innkeep and she suspects that he's laying a trap. And Jamie tells her she is a clever wench and he thinks to himself that she might be ugly, but at least she's not stupid, <laughs> which is really like... <laughs> Look at the nicest thing he's ever thought of her to this point. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like he's so pr- kind of you know like he's almost proud of her. Well, he uh, is. Well, this is the thing. This is the thing about their relationship where it's like 
they still hate each other, but at the same time, it's not just a grudging respect. Like, they actually have real respect for each other. <laughs> it's Well, I think he has respect for her at this point. I don't know if she has respect for him. She does, though, in some things. I mean, it's it's like when she gives him the ore, like, in the, in the first chapter and stuff. It's like, yeah, she but- knows he can do this stuff. And it's like, she was clearly listening when he was talking through, like, what was going on with the yeah. ship in the first chapter. I mean, she's paying attention to the shit he says. She just doesn't want him to know that she she's like, I have this handled. I don't need your help. But it's like yeah. she does know yeah. that he knows it's shit. True. So they stop for the night and Jamie wonders what Tyrion and Cersei are doing. And I just this kind of struck me, this reread, that it was interesting how and and again, even back when in Kat's last chapter, he you know, he puts when he asks about his relatives, he puts them in levels, and level number one is Tyrion and Cersei. Level number two is Tywin, and mm-hmm. here again, like they're occupying kind of the same level of importance to him. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he ever puts Cersei above Tyrion. We see no, they're in actions, the same tier. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, we see actions that he takes that I feel like put Tyrion above Cersei, in you know, in some cases. But yeah, he never. He never explicitly puts her above him. Like, they are the same. And I thought that was just interesting that they are well, equally as important to him, in a, you know? And that's kind of a dynamic that continues. Because, I mean, it's like, if you think about at the end of this book, he literally finds out that they both are betraying him at the same time. I mean, obviously, Tyrion is lying. But, you know, I mean, like, there, there very much is a link between the three yeah. of them, the levels of this. And for Jamie, Jamie's like the even tier. I mean... I'm not saying he isn't slightly more obsessed with Cersei than Tyrion, but I mean, like, it's clear that he adores Tyrion. You know, he loves Tyrion. He thinks about Tyrion just as much as he thinks about Cersei, practically. He remembers moments with Cersei more often, but when it comes to just, like, offhanded references, Tyrion gets just about as many as she does. It's funny, like, you know, if you think of them as three points of a triangle, and, you know, the intensity of, you know, both Jaime and Tyrion have, like, these intense relationships with Cersei. Um... You know, very. You know, they certainly manifest themselves in different in different ways, but like, there's a lot of intensity there. And, I can imagine you know, trying to the, navigate that. You think about some of the toxic relationships and fa- I mean, that's yeah. pretty difficult to be in between no, two. No, <laughs> right, and then you know, Jamie and and Tyrion have like their you know increasing intensity yeah, of yeah. of their relationship too, and you know. It, Again, like you know, I'm sure during this re-reread, we'll unfortunately have to go back to this time and again. But you know, the show kind of dropped the ball on mm-hmm. on all of these relate, you know, on, in the final season on all of these relationships. You know, like they just became so so bland, so vanilla when you know that's so dynamic between, that's where the, between good the three is, yeah. of them. Yeah, I mean, there's so much good stuff there. Um, so anyway, Jamie, you know, just thinking about his siblings, he tries to make small talk with Brienne while they're taking watch, and he asks her if she's an only child, and Brienne almost tells him that she's her father's only son, and, you know, Jamie catches it, and he mocks her. Um, you know, he thinks, oh, she's a queer sort of daughter, or actually he says she's a queer sort of daughter, and he immediately regrets it, and I have some, I actually have some passages in this chapter I wanted to read. Please and- do. This is, I have to say, you know, we talk a lot in fandom about different book Jamie and Brienne exchanges, but this this is a really underrated one here. 
that they have. Yeah. I, I love this. Read it. God damn it. <laughs> All right. Word that she turned away from him, her knuckles tight on her sword hilt. What a wretched creature this one is. She reminded him of Tyrion in some queer way, though at first blush two people could scarcely be any more dissimilar. Perhaps it was that thought of his brother that made him say, I did not intend to give offense, Brienne. Forgive me. Your crimes are past forgiving, Kingslayer. That name again. Jimmy twisted idly at his chains. Why do I enrage you so? I've never done you any harm that I know of. You've harmed others, those you were sworn to protect, the weak, the innocent. The king? It always came back to Ares. Don't presume to judge what you do not understand, wench. My name is Brienne, yes. Has anyone ever told you that you're as tedious as you are ugly? You will not provoke me to anger, Kingslayer. Oh, I might, if I cared enough to try. <laughs> so, again, I think this is a good example <laughs> of Brienne kind of giving as good as she gets. Like, he's oh. calling, you know, like the signal of, he's calling her Brienne and she responds Kingslayer. <laughs> then, you know, she... Then, you know, then the next time he talks to her, he's, she's wench. She's um, wench. Every mm-hmm. damn time. <laughs> this is the thing. This is the thing where it's just like people are like, oh, Jamie's so abusive. I'm like, oh, my God. She starts it and then she won't let it drop. It's her. She won't stop. She won't stop. With the... It's not that I blame her, but it's like <laughs> she's the one who's like, we are not friends. We are not going to call each other by her. <laughs> but no, he, she wants him to call her by her name, but he is going to she's going to call him Kingslayer. Yeah. Like until the cows come home like she hates him and you see it here like the way that she just gets so outraged by his very existence because he like has had everything she's ever you know all of the privilege he's good looking he's had everything that she's always wanted in her life like all of the acceptance and like no question of like his place in the world or anything and he just like in her eyes has like pissed all over it and she hates him for it yeah well that's a horrible feeling you know because if you think about people who have things that you would desperately want and just well it's like you know you feel like they're in her mind that he's just pissed it all away yeah no and then on top of it of course because he's jamie he (laughs) finds out her biggest weaknesses and is just constantly pouring (laughs) salt on him so she goes on to ask him why he even took the oath, and Jamie thinks she wouldn't want to hear the answer. And he thinks about how Cersei was in King's Landing, and he was squiring for Sumner Cray Call. And he visited King's Landing on the way to Casterly Rock, and Cersei proposed that he join the King's Guard as a way to always be with her. And um, you know, he has this little memory of you know saying, "Oh, but you know, there's there's Casterly Rock," and Cersei says, "Is is it a rock you want or me?" And he thinks about how she came to him at an old inn in Eel Alley and dressed as a simple serving wench and basically, like, fucked him all night. <laughs> and, um, you know, he says, By morning, Casterly Rock seemed a small place, price to pay to be near her always. Oh, he gave his me. consent, and Cersei promised to do the rest. So, I've been dying to talk about this more, but, like... Who's really behind this? Because Cersei is a 15-year-old girl. I'm pretty sure yeah. she can't guarantee. <sighs> so is this Ares? Is this no, a promise? No, it's her for... idea. Do you think? Or is it I think Ferris? it's her idea. Oh, no, I think it's her idea. She's just an idiot. We were how talking about this. How would she think that she could arrange that? Well, we were talking about that. What what podcast? Not on a fairly recent episode, we were talking about this, who, who she could have arranged it through. Because I always kind of assumed it was Varys, but... Hmm. 
Then I really thought that through, and I was like, they don't have that kind of relationship later on. Oh, and was it you know, I think it was Picel. Mm. Oh, I think it had mm. to have been Picel. I think that's how she got it done. Because I mean, obviously, <laughs> either I mean, it was Picel or she went directly to Ty- or to Aries because it's like Tywin had no idea about it, and so, we know that that Picel will work with Cersei without going through Tywin. And I mean, to me, if I'm Pycelle, the only the only thing worth it for me is a promise from Ares that when Ilya dies, Cersei marries Rhaegar. Because you're not going to trade Jaime. The only way you'd trade Jaime is for, um, you know, for Cersei being queen. Oh, I think you talk Ares into putting Jaime in the Kingsguard pretty easily because it would really stick Oh, no, for Ares, but, like, yeah. what's in it for Pycelle? Like, I think having Cersei in his corner, because I think it's pretty clear to Pycelle that Tywin wants Cersei to marry Rhaegar or, right. you know, but, yeah, Viserys. I mean, so, uh, yeah, I think I think it's just Pycelle going, oh, she's going to have power here eventually, and I need to just stay in her good graces. Um. I don't know. It's like, why would Pycelle do that to Tywin? I don't know, but... Do you think Cersei is sincere with her, we'll always be together, or do you think she was made a promise that she's going to marry Rhaegar? I... I, No, I don't think she got a promise. No. The one who tried to marry her to Rhaegar is Tywin. I mean, like, he's the one who's kind of in charge of that. Right. I don't don't think she's getting anything in return. Uh Uh-uh. No, I think she wants him there. What, though, and from who? Rhaegar. Rhaegar or Viserys, like she wanted that. You think she Rhaegar or Viserys and... promised her that they would marry her? And what no, her? I think. I think that part of the deal was Jamie joins, you know, Jamie joins the Kingsguard, and I'll, you know, I'll if that's the I is Varys or Pycelle or whoever, and I'll make sure that you're married to Rhaegar when Elia dies, like we all think but she's going to die. Who would make that deal with her? Pycelle or Varys? Why? Why would Pycelle, why would Pycelle work? against Tywin like that. Well, he does anyway with with arranging it this way. I'm saying like it's more I mean, valuable. I think of it as if it's them. Cersei's idea, then Pycelle goes along with it because he knows it's worthwhile to keep Cersei on his good side, I guess. Varys, I don't know. Do, I mean, don't you think that would also be a recipe for disaster? Like, what would Rhaegar maybe right? Or I wonder if Cersei would think that Rhaegar wouldn't care because of the whole brother sister thing. Would they have threesomes? I mean, what the hell? I mean, what, what, no, what I would Cersei would never think she tell. could tell? I think Cersei would have dropped Jamie like like hot potato. That's what I'm if, thinking. Yeah, if, if, if Rhaegar, I don't think she'd still screw Jamie. I don't think. No. I don't know. No, Didn't she idea say about, he was the only think... one that was hotter than Jamie? Or she maybe later, but she was bitter. She said he was hotter than Jamie or something. Or... No, she, li- she liked Rhaegar. Yeah. Yeah, I think she, I don't know if she said he's hotter than Jamie, but she thought he was very good looking, and she absolutely wanted to marry him. <laughs> she wanted to marry Robert. That kind of gets lost too. She wanted to marry Robert, and she wanted to be queen. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, but, I still yeah. think there's something there's something in there with. I think a it's promise. Cersei. I think it's all 100% Cersei. I don't think anybody came to her with this idea. I think she had the idea. I think she was like. But wouldn't she? I want Jamie here. Right, but wouldn't she expect at fifteen, unless she's married to someone like a prince, she would go. She's going to go live in their house. She's not going to stay in King's Landing necessarily. She must have I thought think she, she was, was going to figure out how to get that done too. Yeah, would be she, my guess. She, she probably so wanted beautiful. Jamie there to help her pull it off, if anything. Maybe, I mean, who knows yeah. what she's planning? I mean. Dear God. It's kind of her MO in general, though. She's kind of... She thinks of these really outlandish things and thinks they're going to work. And 
Well, yeah, and she kind of pulls off some of the really yeah. outlandish stuff yeah, because she, she just does. doesn't she doesn't think like a chess player, so she kind of tries these crazy things that actually turn out once oh, in a while. Oh, she's kind of like Trump. She does these <laughs> things, I mean, and they're like so really stupid. <laughs> well, I mean, she's work. a narcissist, it's terrible. And, and so is he. So I mean, and they get she away is, with it. They get away with a lot. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I th- I think this is just about her wanting him there. I think she does want him there. Like I I know a lot of people think too that she was trying to take Casterly Rock from him or something, but I don't really think it's that. I think she honestly just thinks this is a good way. Yeah, I didn't to think get it was that to King's Landing. Yeah, and I don't know that she wants him there just so she can fuck him. I think she also wants him there because you know she knows he'll help her do what she wants to do. But then of course it backfires so completely. And maybe to some extent she viewed him as her protector and she always wanted him nearby and she thought she yeah. would, you know... You know. Yeah, She's well, literally like, that... Self- he, I mean, that even yeah. makes it more selfish. Like, if it was because yeah. she thought, you know, she was exchanging him for a promise for Rhaegar, you know, that's one level of selfishness. But it, if it's literally just like, well, he should be here. Yeah, he's And, mine. you know, he should like, give up his mine, entire 100%. life. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, yeah, like, it's creepy. more selfish. Yeah, it's really yeah. horrible abuse. But that's the thing. She wants to be queen. She has yeah. no interest in giving up being queen to be with Jamie ever, oh, at no. any point. Yeah. I mean, we'll no. hear her say it. She yeah. doesn't, you know... It's not worth it to her to give anything up for Jamie, uh, yeah, that, but she happily what, asked yeah, that, him to completely a, give up his entire birthright oh, for her. God, I know. That drives me absolutely nuts, like, how people could see this any other way. She's like, he's mentioned, like, people who idealize this, he's offered her. There were, like, at least, what, twice? At least he's thought it in his head. He said it out loud to her. We can, he'd gladly go, it sounds like at, at points in this, he would gladly have run off with her. And we could yeah. get the impression that this has come up before, that he's offered this. He would do it in a minute. And she always turns it down. This is not some great love story. I mean, if, if it was, she would have went off with him. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like, again, you know, those three points of the triangle, like, you know, Tyr- you know Tyrion would never leave King, you know Tyrion yeah. would never have left King's Landing he liked being yeah. in power he liked that yeah. more than you know any any love or anything yeah. in his life and Cersei you know is exactly the same way and like no nope. just like trapped in this horrible web and like oh, Jamie could get yeah. out of King's Landing fast enough here's here's one of the things i love most about this is because the setup for this is where um you know Brienne is asking him like why did you take the oath of the king's guard like why did you put on the cloak and he's like He's like, well, you know, I was young. It was a great honor. And she's like, that's not an answer. And he's like, you wouldn't like the truth because he'd done it for love. And it's like the thing is about Brienne, she did exactly the same stupid goddamn thing. She literally threw everything away to join Renly's Kingsguard for exactly the same stupid reason. Just the chance to just kind of like orbit around someone she loved. I mean, the fact is they actually have so much in common with some of this stuff. Yeah, and there are things that, yeah, I mean, there's so much, I mean, that's kind of the thing, like, there's so much of their story to come. I mean, we know, we, I mean, they know each other really well, but we know them more than either of them knows each other. Yeah. And, you know, I just sometimes think about, my God, when Jamie, like, I don't think Jamie has any idea how soft Brienne is. Yeah. And I think he has some idea. I mean, a little, like, he knows that, you know, she's tender, I feel like, but. Like how well, girlish she can be. Well, if you think about after they find out about the red wedding when they're on their way back to King's yeah. Landing, and it's like he's like she, he's like here she survived all this stuff and she was fine, and he, he's like she hears this and she's just done. Yeah. And I think he does have some concept of it then, but 
Well, it's funny because, you know, when Brienne thinks, like, oh, should I slink back to King's Landing and cry on Jamie's shoulder? Oh, <laughs> like, God. That's what, you know, weak, you know, men want, these, you know, weak women, weeping women. It's like... Soft women. No. I think it's soft women. Yeah, it's like, no, but, you know, it's going to destroy him when he realizes, like, that's a part of you. <laughs> like... Because yeah. I think, you know, he'd like he loves all of these aspects of her that he's learning, but then there's all of this whole other side of her, of her that like makes her more perfect for him even yes. and vice yeah. versa that he has yet to, that he really kind of has yet to experience. Like, I think she's experienced a lot more of his, of his self than he has of herself. And, you know, Brienne, well, because he's he, such an open book about some, well, right. with her, well, he is, he's, cause she knows everything already. And this is another weird thing about their dynamic he knows that she already knows his worst yeah. secrets. He knows she knows that, like, Cersei's his lover. He knows yeah. she knows that all the kids are his. He doesn't have to hide that part of himself with her yeah. that he normally has to hide with everyone else. And so these things just keep coming out between them. Like, there just are no walls. Yeah. Well, I mean, More there's so no walls from him, him, but, yeah, I mean, not yeah. not as, yeah. you know, for her. And I think what we'll see and then, you know, when we see them together again is, you know, her walls. You know, she's going to be gone through this horrible experience and you know her walls will will come down and i mean i think as much as brienne was affected by by jamie it'll be jamie affected by her i mean we see you know people that talk to brienne for an hour and they're like enthralled by her i mean she's like a really appealing person and you know just jamie's gonna get like the full brunt of that at some point and i mean know, i like, think he's, he's not gonna it, make though, it don't you He's had like I mean, he like he like even figures out that she was in love with Renly without her saying anything. He figures it out. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty. Yeah, good I don't know. I mean, yeah. he's gonna he's gonna be a bit gobsmacked still. I think like just you know, and then to see her with Pod and stuff too. Like, there's just you know, there's a lot that's gonna happen. I well, I think the thing the thing that's going to gobsmack him, and this is why, you know, this is like what we're talking about, and why they're so amazing together, is you have these two people who have done nothing their whole lives but sacrifice everything for the people that they love just like happily give up everything they have for the people that they love and neither one of them has ever had it in return and when you finally figure out that they're in love with each other and that they're capable of that kind of love I think that is yeah yeah that's gonna be the thing like that's what he's gonna learn when we finally ever if we do get wins is he's gonna find out that she was willing to die for him you know without him ever even knowing Yeah, and that, I mean, yeah, you know, I think he'll, you know, people have asked, like, oh, what's going to happen when, you know, he finds out she was lying to him? And I feel like, yeah, it's irrelevant the moment that he realizes that she was going to die for him. Like, that's, he's not going to handle this well. Because he's (laughs) never, because he's never, because that's him with other people, like, that's him with what he would have done for Cersei, and he hadn't had that reciprocated. You know, there's never a situation where her love was ever at the level that he was willing to put out. No. Uh, mm. Come on, George, give it to us. <laughs> and how can you ship either of them with anyone else in the books because right. of this? I don't know. But Sansa's so pretty. <laughs> <sighs> oh, God. I, yeah. Uh, so, you know, this whole plan to with Jamie and the Kings are backfires because Tywin is pretty predictably enraged at Ares stealing his heir, so he resigns his hand and goes back to the rock with Cersei. And 
you know, Brienne, you know, they, they keep talking about what happened with Ares, and Brienne says she knows that Ares was mad and cruel, you know, but she also knows what Jamie did, which, again, it's always confusing to me because, like, he was mad and cruel, but you're a horrible person for killing him. Like, I know. That doesn't make any you know, sense. And there's this great line. She loomed above him, six feet of freckled, frowning horse tooth <laughs> disapproval, which I feel like I could just, like, it's such a great visual. Um, and, you know, they're having this, you know, they're having this conversation, and it's getting pretty, you know, this is a fairly deep conversation. And, you know, this, this makes Jamie back off, like, in terms of, like, his confidence in her, um, or his confidence in, like, confiding in her, I guess. Um, so he starts to turn it back around on her by accusing her of being a Kingslayer, too. And, you know, Brienne right away, like, it's a lie, and, you know, a shadow killed Renly. And Jamie just laughs at her, like, oh, when they found me standing over the dead king, I never thought to say, oh, it wasn't me, it was a shadow. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, you know, he's like, oh, did Renly spurn you, or perhaps your moon's bub is on you, never give a wench a sword when she's bleeding, which, you know, fuck you, Jamie. I don't need to be bleeding to be pissed off by that remark. Um, and, you know, like me, this obviously enrages Brienne and Jamie, you know, Jamie thinks she's actually going to hit him and, you know, he thinks you know, this is another one of those great lines uh, a step closer and I'll snatch that dagger from her sheath oh, and bury god. a purple oh my god, I know, it's so <laughs> and sexual <laughs> yeah, constantly it's, yeah, super, you know, it's super charged right here oh, and, god. you know, Brienne you know, Brienne doesn't do you know he's jamie's ready to like strike her but brian doesn't do anything she just says you know it's a rare and precious gift to be a knight and even more so a knight of the king's guard is a gift given to few a gift you scorned and soiled um and this this pisses jamie off and he tells her you know nothing was given to me he won a melee at 13 you know he rode with sir arthur dane at when he and he was knighted on the battlefield and he thinks you know one of his famous lines um, it was the white cloak that soiled me, not the other way around. So spare me your envy. It was the gods who neglected to give you a cock, not me. Um, uh, Jamie, you know, Brienne just is like looking at him like he's you know the worst person on earth, and he thinks you know she'd gladly hack me to pieces, but for her vow. And you know, he's, he thinks, good, I've had enough of feeble pieties and maidens' judgments. The wench stalked off without saying a word. Jamie curled up beneath his cloak, hoping to dream of Cersei. Um, it's it's interesting just because I mean he's so clearly he's trying to like he open cares. up. Yeah, and he cares. Already. He cares what she thinks yeah. already. Like he, he, he don't want to admit it, but he fucking cares. Thinks. He's trying to get her to think well of him. He may not yeah. think he is, but he's trying. <laughs> he is. It it's re- and it's like he thinks it too it's like she's not thinking anything that everyone else in the whole of Westeros thinks I mean like the, this is not a different thought she's just saying it out loud yeah but there are people who've said it out loud to him too and still it's just driving him yeah exactly <laughs> like well and it's like like we're talking about the charged nature of this it's like if you really just hate somebody and you just like loathe them and don't want anything yeah. to do them, you don't really argue with them you mm-hmm. just kind of like you know 
It's over. Yeah. I hope they go away. And like yeah. that is not something that either of these two can ever seem to do with each other. It is just constant. You know, they just can't help just like poking at each other constantly. And I mean, if this isn't a sign that, you know, there's a thin line between love and hate, I don't know what is. I, it's just like, it's such shippy romantic shit the way that they fight <laughs> constantly. So great. Um, so instead of dreaming of Cersei, Jamie dreams of Ares and how he approached him with Rossert's blood on his sword. And he thinks, you know, Ares fled from him and shit himself. And Jamie had to physically tear him off the Iron Throne. So it's really, and, and then slit his throat. So it's just really like visceral, like just awful. You know, you think this poor, like traumatized 17 year old, and he's like pulling this like shitting old man and slitting his throat. Like it's just, you know, after having killed someone else, oh, you know, and gosh, I think at yeah. that point, you know, Jamie probably, you know, Jamie would have killed people in battle. And then this is, you know, these are like two old men basically that he executes and just, that's that's a lot um and his father's men burst in and it's Sumner Craycall which is interesting you know, he doesn't really get into this but you know it's, he's squired for him he obviously knows him and mm-hmm. he's one of the first one in and they ask for his command and the first thing Jamie does is he has them tell everyone the king is dead and to spare those who yield and hold them captive um and he doesn't know that he thinks about you know, Gregor Clegane and Amory Lorch are sc- are scaling Magus Holdfast like right at this moment. He doesn't know this, but mm-hmm. you know, he thinks about it, and it's obviously he has some guilt about that. Even though, you know, as, despite what all of the, you know, some of the big name people on Twitter want to continually write, like, no, Jamie is certainly not responsible for what they did to Ilya and her children. Um, oh, who no could say that? Because he... he literally, like, when he dreams of Rhaegar's ghost, he's like, I didn't know my father was going to kill them. They think that he could have killed Ares and then, like, also gone over, over there and protected them as well. They think he can oh, split dear into God. two Oh, God. I just... Yeah. I, I... Look, like, there's a lot you can blame... They think there's a lot of time passing. Like, no, there's a lot you can blame him for. You can blame Jamie for a lot of things in the books. No one could have handled the heiress situation any better than Jamie handled yeah. it. What else do you want him to do? He kills Rossert, the pyromancer, who could make all of the, you know, fucking wildfire goes off. And then he ki- go off. And then he kills Ares to make sure Ares can't get a message to any of the other pyromancers to get the wildfire to go off. And then for the next couple of days, he slowly goes around and kills the other pyromancers that he's seen come in and that he knows have access to the stupid wildfire to make sure that no one can ever set it off. I mean, like... How can you be mad at him for that? Like, I, it, you just have to be searching for reasons to be mad at him to try well, to find a way exactly to be mad at him for this. We're searching for oh, reasons. Yeah. And I think even in one of Tyrion's chapters, like, we realize it's a well-known fact that there's this wildfire under the city. Like, that's it's not, not it, No, it's not well-known. It's not well-known. But what we find out in Tyrion's chapter, and this is another thing he gets blamed for, which is, you know, why didn't you tell anyone about this wildfire? And it's like, obviously, he didn't tell anyone, including Tywin or anyone on his side. Because he didn't want anybody to use the stupid stuff. But even Tyrion doesn't know that it's volatile and, you know, can be more likely to go off. I mean, I'm sure Jamie just thinks, well, as long as nobody knows it's there to set it off, it's fine, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think, like, it's not some great, like, horrible failing of his to not tell the no. equivalent of, like, the EPA. That... Well, no, it's not about the EPA. It's about the fact he's like, who do I tra-? He does. He knows his father. Yeah. He's not going to give his father access to this goddamn wildfire. 
he doesn't know enough about Robert or Ned to give them access to it. And the more he learns about him, clearly the less he ever wants them to have access oh. to it. He doesn't think anyone should have the power of that stupid wildfire. And he doesn't tell Cersei. doesn't even just... tell Tyrion. Oh, God. How will they even... Oh, just a mess. I mean, it's, too... it's interesting if he ever meets anyone that he feels is trustworthy enough with that knowledge. Hmm. Wonder who it is. Wonder who the yeah. one person he knows you could trust with that is. So... In his dream, he he remembers Craycall asking if they should declare a new king, and you know Jamie actually considers Viserys or Aegon, but he thinks of their Targaryen blood, and he tells Craycall to proclaim whoever he wants, and then he climbs the Iron Throne, and he sits on it with his sword across his knees. Um, so I thought it was interesting. Um, I looked this up because I had read something about this. So this is symbolic for denying guest right, and it's something that Rob is doing um, when Tyrion visits Winterfell on his way back from the Wall, and that's how Tyrion knows that Rob's like, you're not staying at Winterfell. And, you know, what's that about for for Jaime? Like, is this just a northern gesture? But, I mean, it seems like it would make sense for this to trigger Ned. Like, if Ned walks in and sees Jaime on the throne in a gesture that says, I'm denying you guessed right like that's pretty hostile but why would you know i can't figure out like why jamie would do that <laughs> from his per- like what why, mm-hmm. why, why how does that make sense from his perspective um anyone have any like i genuinely have no thoughts mm-hmm. on it I, I can't figure it out maybe it's you- just him saying i'm gonna sit here and i'm gonna decide who gets to sit down again i don't know maybe yeah because Ned was so incensed about the fact that he sat on the throne. Yeah. Or, yeah. or is it him saying, like, this, I'm denying, like, is it more like, I'm it's not probably in charge saying, here, so I can't, like, I can't bestow guest right because it's not my house kind of thing? No, I think it's about him saying this throne doesn't belong to anyone right now. That's probably what it's about. Yeah. I mean, if I he's wish- denying guest right to the throne, on the throne, he's saying this doesn't belong to anyone until, you know, whatever. And that's the yeah. thing, he's saying he doesn't care, but obviously the fact that he's still there, he does care. Well, he does care because yeah. he, he, like, he knows that he could proclaim Tywin king at this yeah. point. I mean, you know, yeah. this is the thing that Jamie and this is why yeah. I try to talk to people about when Jamie proposes to Cersei and he's like, no, we can get married and we can pull this off. We have all the power. Jamie, more than anyone, understands that power is power because he's seen so much of the shit that he's seen. And he's like, he knows at that moment Tywin could become king. He knows that that's a bad idea and doesn't let it happen. Um, you know, he, he's, he's one of those people who has just seen how corrupting power can be. And he is he never really wants to take the responsibility for making sure that the right person is power is in power, but he will take some responsibility for making sure that the wrong person doesn't get in power if he can stop it. And I think that's the Targaryens. Yeah, that makes sense. He doesn't want the Targaryens to have it. And he has the thought, well, I could give it to my dad and he doesn't do it because Mm -hmm. he knows that that would be horrible. Cause he knows, you uh, you know, they give him credit for that. Like you'd think they'd give him some kind of credit for not taking it himself and not handing it to his dad. I mean, something. Nope. <sighs> no but credit. I mean, yeah, I mean, certainly not from from Ned. And, you know, the chapter ends with this, like, kind of, I don't know, I, these sentences sort of struck me this time. It's still, you know, it's Jamie ending his dream, and he thinks, you know, you, you had no right to judge me either, Stark. Um, 
In his dreams, the dead came burning, gowned in swirling green flames. Jimmy danced around them with a golden sword, but for everyone he struck down, two more arose to take his place. Um, this almost felt a little bit like a precursor of the Weirwood dream in a way. Just the, mm. just the struck down two, you know, struck down one and two rows. Just again, felt like, you know, a precursor to the idea of of whites essentially. Um, but obviously, the swirling green flames are sort of the. This is what this is what happens, or this what is the would have happened if he hadn't done it. You know, the wildfire. Yeah. Um, so I mean, he's still, and I think it's still he has that trauma from it, even mm-hmm. you know, even so many years later that he he kind of has these horrible sounding dreams. Um, you know, Brienne wakes him with a boot in the ribs, and and it start to rain, and they eat, and they're back in the saddle before the sun came up, and and that's how our chapter ends. So it's. It's funny, I feel like of all the Jamie chapters in A Storm of Swords, this is kind of the one that gets, this one and his, like, Kingsguard meeting one are the ones that get overlooked because they don't have, like, the huge set pieces, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's where we get a lot there. of, yeah, there's so much info around Jamie's, t- you know, Kingsguard time and um, and Robert's rebellion there that we, we really see from, like, another side for the first time. Any additional thoughts on the chapter? Ah. <sighs> Oh God! One of my <laughs> one of my favorite things about Tyrion and Cersei and Jamie is how often they give people advice, and I love how earlier on I forgot to say it, but he gives the kid with the crossbow. He's like, "Oh yeah, oh, yeah." What does he tells him? You should take up the spear, like, and it's like sincere advice. Yeah. And like Cersei sometimes does this too, and Tyrion does it too. They just like can't help giving people advice, and they mean it. Like they're not like trying to do anything. They're just like. By the way, you should not do what you're doing. Try this instead. I wonder where that comes from. That's a particular thing. It's from Tywin. It's got to be from Tywin. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, God. They're probably so used to him. Oh, God. Um, Well, we do have some mail that I'll go through. Uh, Let's see. We actually have an iTunes review. We have a five-star review from um, Jess... Justin Stay, who says, always look forward to these guys. I enjoy the ladies and occasionally gents. They make me laugh, but I also appreciate their reviews and comments on each episode and the writing. Part of my top five got podcasts. Thank you. Aw. That's <laughs> awesome. We have a Tumblr Anon who says, I finally figured out why Cersei was so obsessed with elephants in season eight. The gestation period for a baby elephant is 18 to 20 months. <laughs> So the, someone's we started calling it the pachyderm that was promised. <laughs> oh my god! I'm never like I'm never gonna get over that pregnancy bullshit. Especially like I don't know if you guys want to get into it at all, but um, Lena Hetty confirmed that they actually shot the Cersei miscarriage scene in season seven. So um, not only was it in the scripts, but it actually was filmed. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had the pregnancy that ended up meaning nothing. And went nowhere versus, you know, a, like a killer scene for Lena in season seven and, you know, presumably a downward spiral of, but actually, you know, stuff for her to do in season eight that was completely abandoned for her. Um, she said that. Yeah. I mean, she, and, and she made it sound like wine. she made it sound like there was a different season eight, you know, plan Honest. for Cersei, yeah. uh, you know, on the back of that 
that miscarriage and she seemed upset that it didn't happen i mean she well, said I mean, that she was yeah who could blame her i mean she would have had a great story and she looked out a window she had brand season five story basically she actually did yeah this is this is what they do with women from time to time they just yeah, put just, the window you know, staring yep what else do you, you do what else are women good for except you know nothing um and that yeah tits and and windows tits and windows tits and windows (laughs) i like this um we have an email from one moment please we have an email from nim who says hello ladies and gents San Diego Comic Con is getting pretty close now and with all the bat shittiness that happened I was surprised and cringed a little when the news came up when the news came up not sure if you've all heard but it looks like Game of Thrones are doing a last hurrah sort of thing at SDCC this year but without D&D what are your views on it is this where George finally gives us Winds of Winter or will he troll us again no. or maybe we'll get Winds of Winter and Dream of Spring news what sort of reception um, would George and George and the world of A Song of Ice and Fire get at this point. Nothing is really concrete and not sure where the... Oh. Um, anyway. That's it. <laughs> Sorry. I Yeah, I don't know. It's... Um, I just can't imagine. Like, he's... <laughs> why would he want to expose himself if he didn't have anything to announce? He's really exposing himself to everyone demanding that he have the books. <laughs> like, oh, God. Well, Are we like sure he's done. going yet, though? I don't know. Oh, we don't know. There was an article that said he was going, but I haven't seen anything from him saying he was going. <laughs> He's got a I mean, literally box. Everything <laughs> anyone could ask him would just be like, is this really your ending? Like, can you believe how yes. shitty this was? And maybe like, he's just there to like, enjoy that. <laughs> I think oh, he would be. I, I mean, I absolutely go. do think he'd go to enjoy it, but I mean like, well, but he's had a lot of things that he's announced that he's planning to do though, that are announced that are yeah. kind of new after him, you know, kind of swearing off doing stuff until wins was supposedly finished. All of a sudden he's kind of adding things to his schedule again. So, Oh, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's like a roller coaster ride with him. Yeah. We would be sweet summer children if we were. To- <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I could totally see him going to SDCC just to like soak in the, the salt about oh, okay. the show ending. I totally could he's see him going just for that reason. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, George. I mean, you know, more power. Like, God love him, but, you know, if any, I mean, as salty as we are about it, you know, I feel like he's got a right to be even worse. You know, like, those were his babies that yeah, that were destroyed. Well, it's all his fault anyway. I mean, it kind of is, but, you know, we always hurt the ones we love. Um, <laughs> we have a we had a really exciting Patreon, you guys. It was from um, Triangle Wine Company in North Carolina, and they actually donated $50 to our Patreon, which is amazing That's and really awesome. Cool. <laughs> and we're communicating with them around a special episode that we could do for them. Um, we were kicking around, you know, famous chunks of Westeros. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, we'll... We'll come up with something with them, but really, um, their website is trianglewineco.com, and um, looks like they have like a really nice rosé on sale for a bunch of nice rosés for some really good prices. Like, save six dollars on this French rosé. Yeah, like the we Father's Day wine sale. So. And we like drive through that area a couple times a year, like on the way to my in-laws. So it's only about three hours away. We stop off at like literally in that area. So like 
that'll be kind of cool to check oh, that wow. out. Yeah, yeah. It looks yeah. Like they have a bunch of like a few stores in North, in, yeah. in North Carolina and a craft beer <laughs> paradise. Um, it looks. I mean, yeah, it looks, it looks like a pretty solid store. Like, like a, a legit. Like I was just kind of perusing their site. Like they do a lot of fundraising stuff too. So it seems like they, you know, have some cool. serious. Like that's pretty cool. You know, it's always nice. Yeah. So nice, nice how we could also somehow be their charity. <laughs> I know. They're all these awesome causes and us. Then there's us. They also have regular in-store wine tastings from free to in-depth reserve seating classes and charity events. Um, yeah, looks nice. like their Twitter is at Triangle Wine Co. So check, uh, please check them out and stay tuned for um, a special episode with them. Some special and episode. Yeah, I mean, let's throw it out there. So if you, too, are interested in making us do a special episode, um, become a become a Patreon. Um, you know, a, a nice a nice Patreon donation like that, we will we'll talk for sure. Um, but you know, if it's a dollar an episode, we're we're thrilled, yeah. and that helps support the podcast, and it pays for things like um, hosting fees. Yeah. That's hosting fees and golden microphones. Yeah. Um, that's we appreciate really it all. Yeah. Damn it, where's my golden microphone? <laughs> like, do any of us have golden microphones? For a while, wasn't it going to Gatto's microphone because she would always have problems? Yeah, we were going to buy Gatto a microphone, but then she got one. Yeah, um, she beat us to it. So you can become our Patreon, um, but you can also find the podcast on Podbean, on Stitcher, on Google Play, and iTunes, and like and review us on iTunes. That helps us... Um, Helps other people find us, too, which we really appreciate. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at Door Podcast, on Tumblr at Close the Door and Come Here. Um, you can visit the, the Jamie Brienne subreddit at reddit.com forward slash r forward slash Jamie Brienne. It's a pretty thriving community at the moment. So if you are listening to this and are a Jamie Brienne fan, there's probably several discussions um, that you might want to take part of. I think the one that I was getting, I think Chicky and I were both getting involved today was the classic, um, is Brienne really ugly? Um, question. Which, oh yeah. Oh, yes, she is. <laughs> yes, she is. That's, yes, she is. And it's really important that she is. So. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but again, it's a really, you know, our opinion, but it's, you know, again, it's a pretty thriving. Like my opinions so. are facts. It's not my. I mean, like, yeah, I'm that saying is. that, but I don't. <laughs> I say those words, but I don't actually mean them. I actually mean that. No, I'm right in this case. <laughs> but again, it's a good, uh, good conversation. People there have kept up with um, fanfic recommendations. Um, you know, lots of show, lots of, and even not now more book conversations. So it's a really. Um, really good place to to dive a little bit deeper i think into jamie brand it's really really exploded literally no thanks to any of us i feel like in the last like since the show started we didn't do shit it just happened people just came and started starting topics and um discussing and having you know having really great discussions so thank you it's really it's really nice to see that blossoming even after what happened in season eight so yeah uh, next episode, get ready for some, you know, sword fucking, right? <laughs> Better believe it. All right. Well, with that, I am closing the door, ladies. Get out. <laughs> <laughs>